Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. We're going. Is it happening? It's happening. Hi, folks. I'm Tim. And I'm Dustin. And this is Apocalypse Now. Um, we are back uh, for our second episode. This is our uh, extended break. We're doing our best to not have too many of those. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're back. And we are not talking about zombies tonight. No. Well, eh, you know, depends on how you feel about what things are. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, obviously, the show we on this show we talk a lot about the Walking Dead universe, and we're in between Walking Dead seasons. Although the end of the month is quickly approaching, we're already six days in, and we're getting a, uh-huh. uh, the next episode of The Walking Dead is coming out the end of this on the twenty third. Yeah, so not too far away. But in the meantime, we have not given up on watching things horror. Um, And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you've been watching and some of the stuff that I've been watching. And we have a little tiny bit, like I have, there's a tiny little blurb of news about Walking Dead that I saw on Yahoo News today. Yeah. Um, But it's not, I don't think, it it was just, you know, clickbait. But, you know, it was fun fun clickbait. Okay, what was it? Well, they were like, the new Walking Dead promo photos uh, spoil the, the cliffhanger from last se- from the last season or whatever. And it was, she showed like Carol and Magda like walking through the woods. <laughs> and it's like, did you not think that they were going to get out? Like, did you not think that, uh, you know, it was Carol and Daryl and Magda walking through the woods. And it was like, okay, so the de facto leads of the show <laughs> and one of the new important characters escaped the trap. Did shocked. we not know? Yeah, I'm oh, shocked. I'm just completely flabbergasted that they didn't <laughs> kill the leads of the show and at least one of the random characters. Well, I, I, it's ruined for me now. I, there's I no know. point in me watching it. I clearly, clearly, there's no no shock and surprise coming. So, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a little baby. It was hilarious. So that was, uh, you know, that was it. That's a the little, little bit of blurb that I've got. A little um, bit of Walking Dead news. Yes, Carol and Daryl, and at least Magda, escape from that. Uh, that place that they was in at the last episode. Well, we'll just have to uh, have to soldier on and 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 try and find some joy in the show, even with that bit of spoiler knowledge. I, know, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not terribly surprised in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I hope they at least do something interesting for getting them out of there, considering they were dumb enough to put them in there in the first place. No, what, I, no, no. What, exactly what's going to happen is is uh, is Aaron's going to be like, "Hey, is that is that an adjustable ladder over there?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they'll grab the adjustable ladder, and you know, that would be awesome if they actually did that. That would be mm-hmm. really funny. Uh, but they won't. 
So how do you think they got out of you know got all those zombies in there in the first place? Tim, it was a ladder. <laughs> a ladder? Because <Yeah. laughs> zombies do so well with the ladder concept. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Sure. We'll we'll we'll, we'll anticipate the ladder scene then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, we do, uh, like I said, we've been, we've been watching things um, because we do that. Um, and unfortunately, we don't get to watch them together like we would no. occasionally get to do. Uh, but um, you've been watching the new Dracula series. I watched all three episodes of Dracula. And that's like, what, six hours? It's, yeah, six hours. I almost, I almost texted you today and were like, you've got to watch this, the whole thing today before. <laughs> I, I we're able to do this. You're just gonna have to. But then I was busy at work, so I didn't. So, but yes, it was it was a full six hours, and uh, it really like honestly, um, gosh, I don't even know. Um, you know how we used to talk about. Um, like fear the walking dead could never stick the landing yeah and it would be like you know oh this is awesome they're doing it they're doing the oh they ruined it (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh oh no why did they have to do that that is how the new dracula series was for me really mini series um because they were doing dracula in a new, like, they were doing a new twist, a new, uh, uh, a new twist on the Dracula legend. And I'm going to go ahead, while we talk about it, I'm just going to go ahead and throw out a spoiler warning, but it's been on Netflix for like two and a half months. So if you haven't watched it by now and you're listening to me talk about it, uh, you can stop and watch it. It's only six hours. Um, so they decide... You know how it, you know, the standard Dracula uh, mythos is uh, Jonathan Harker goes to uh, Castle Dracula and he has all sorts of shenanigans, but he escapes and goes back and, and then Dracula gets to England on a boat and he causes all sorts of shenanigans mm-hmm. in England and then... Um, then he, you know, takes Mina Harker, they go back to Romania, and then he dies, right? Right, sure. Basic, you know, ba- you know, like, basically. So, anyway, in this one, it's they've t- twisted it a little bit to where, oh, you know, where instead of Jonathan Harker escaping, uh, he dies mm-hmm. in, like, the first episode. And he becomes kind of a ghoul. And so the first episode is Jonathan Harker telling the story of how he was sent to Castle Dracula and then how he was, uh, how he was um, seduced and, you know, what happens to him there. And then, but he's telling this whole story to this nun named Sister Agatha. And then Dracula shows up there at a convent Mm -hmm. and then Dracula shows up at the convent and he, that's when he really, he says, you're very interesting, Agatha. Like 
let me see it. You know, he uses some psychic powers from, from tasting her blood to like tell her different things about her. And then at the very end, he says, your name, your last name is Van Helsing. And you're like, oh, shit, you know, (laughs) this is really cool. And then, so basically, you know, the next hour, like, so the next hour of the first episode is this cat and mouse game, Battle of Wits, because Agatha is like, you know, is so smart and she's so amazing and she's such a great foil for Dracula that, uh, she like she stands at the gate and talks to him. She's not going to invite him in, but she's like asking him all sorts of questions about what it means to be a vampire and all sorts. Of, and it's so good. And then of course he gets into the convent and kills all the nuns. And and so then the next ep and, and you know then Jonathan Harker dies, uh, for real, for real. And then in the second episode, it's basically um, ten little Indians except it's set on a boat, a boat from Romania to England. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry about figuring out who the killer is because Dracula's on the boat. Wait, wait, (laughs) wait. Are you saying that Dracula killed everybody on the Demeter? Yes. (laughs) And it's so freaking good because that's part of the story that you don't get from the original Dracula. Right, you see the result of it because uh-huh. the, the ship shows up in the book as and everyone's been killed on board. Right, and and so it's so good because you're seeing the things that happened and how he seduced the different people and like manipulated and did all these things. And Sister Agatha plays a part in that as well. She's very important. And by the end of the episode, you are just like, I was just blown away by how awesome, like the twists that they gave this story for a new, you know, for a new time and then a new, like, uh, you know, to, to tell it in a different way and like give us things that the original story or no other, like, because they never cover that in any of the, you know, it's been what, 200 years that Dracula has been a book and I don't think I've or been a thing. And I don't think I've ever seen anything about what happened on that boat. I think, I think it's probably been touched on, but some other things, but never, I don't think there's ever been a really good TV or movie take on it that I can remember. Right. But it was just so freaking good. And then, so the end of the, the, the end of that episode, Sister Agatha saves the day and destroys the boat before it reaches London. And in a last ditch attempt to survive, Dracula climbs into a box of dirt and the coffin, his coffin sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Okay. Okay. And so, but then, so it sinks to the bottom of the ocean, and then he, like, busts out of it and, like, walks up the shore and walks up to the lights. You can see, because they're right off the coast. He walks up towards, uh, like, the coastline. And as he's walking up, he's like, something feels different. And then an SUV drives up, and a helicopter flashes its beams down on him. And, and then... Uh, the same actress that plays uh, plays Sister Agatha comes out and she's like, hello, Dracula. What took you so long? And you're like, oh, fuck! Abigail's <laughs> been, a, been, a, been a vampire this whole time and he's, you know, spent like 200 years on the bottom of the ocean and it's fucking awesome! And then the third episode, 
tanks it uh, completely. Tanks it completely. It's just basically a, a modern take on the Dracula story. The first two episodes of this miniseries are so cool and so innovative. And then the last one is like beat for beat the story we know, except for it happens in London. In modern times. And, you know, it's just like, awesome. Thanks, I guess. (laughs) And me and my sister are sitting there watching it and we're like, what happened? What, what happened? (laughs) Like, and every once in a while there'd be a cool thing or like a cool concept, a cool idea would happen. And you'd be like, oh, okay. But then the rest of the time, you're just like, okay. (laughs) And then it ends, and the way that it ends is just so freaking stupid, you know, that it was just like, I just wasted, did I waste six hours on this show? Luckily, luckily, the first two, if you just watched the first two, uh, it would, it tells a complete solid narrative mm-hmm. but it just completely beefs it at the end mm. beefs it and it was just like I was so I was I was so disappointed and especially we were supposed to, to I, I was so excited we were supposed to re- record last night but we didn't because I was finishing it up and I wanted I was so excited to finish it up and then it was just like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. I mean, it it, it comes from Stephen Moffat and uh, yeah. uh, Mark Gaddis, yeah, uh, the guys behind Sherlock, uh, and uh, of course uh, uh, Moffat did quite a few years on Doctor Who. Um, reviews have actually been pretty good for it overall, uh, and I have not watched it. I need to watch it, um, uh, but uh, I, I won't have too much high hopes for the third part then. Yeah, I mean. It just, I wouldn't, I would watch it. Okay, it's weird because I am suggesting people watch it and make their own dollar conclusions. But I can tell you that me and my sister just sat there and we're like, when it was over, we're like, well, that's it. It's over. Excellent. (laughs) You know, and, uh, you know, it just was so, it was so irritating that it did that. The, and then, of course, tonight, I watched the last two episodes of The Good Place, which is, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call sci-fi or horror, but it does does deal with the afterlife. And, or you know, and it was just so good. It was such a good ending. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil it because I think that uh, that you should well watch it. I'm, I'm sure I will. The uh, and 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 folks, honestly, you know, if you don't, if when when Dustin and I do this stuff with each other, we're not actually. We can spoil the hell out of this stuff to each other and still enjoy watching it because it uh-huh. doesn't really mean much. To, you hear someone talk about it, but you have to watch it for yourself to get the full effect of anything, right? So I, I don't mind spoilers personally because they don't they don't affect my enjoyment of something, um, unless you know if it if it's got the kind of twist that you know you cannot give away uh-huh okay that's not you don't want that you want to be able to go in and enjoy that sort of stuff too but um 
No, I mean, you know, the Dustin Dustin gave you everybody fair warning. There were spoilers here. Um, but it's also the kind of thing that I would, I definitely want to watch it for myself anyway, just to see. Because, yeah, I mean, like I said, the it sounds like the first two episodes are something I'd really enjoy. Oh, yeah. So And the, and the second or the last episode has some really great stuff in it, too. And, you know... And but it's just the the things that they do, the some of the choices that they make mm. uh, are just so bad. Like, like <laughs> you know, you know the they have you know Lucy, the character Lucy, uh, who you know is the you know Dracula becomes fixated on her before Mina, and he drains her and turns her into a vampire, and. Uh, and they make her the most unlikable person. She's awful. Mm. And so when it comes time for Dracula to finally, like, drain her or whatever, you're like, fucking finally. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, it's never, it's never good when somebody you should be rooting for is someone you're hoping will die. Yeah. Um, or it'll do like you know, um, Quincy, who in the original is this Texan, this rootin' tootin' Texan who comes to to woo Miss Lucy, and he just loves her and blah 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 blah. But he's all of the modern characters are such assholes <laughs> that you can't like any of them, and then you like you wish for them to die. You're just like, God, I hope this this fill in the blank who I'm supposed to be rooting for dies in a really super horrible way. <laughs> Always a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's too bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh God, it, that, that's always a, a tough thing for me with watching a film is, or show where it's like, I just cannot sympathize with the characters. Why do, well, it's like, it's like one of the reasons that I, I could not get my head around, why people like the hostile movies. Oh yeah. Is because I couldn't stand any of the characters. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't care if these people die. They're awful. I mean, yeah, the gore effects are pretty impressive and that's cool. And that's a great visual, blah, blah, blah. But I don't care because all right. of these people are just terrible. And that's one of part of my problem with a good chunk of the saw movies too was I, I have a, I don't have much sympathy for the people involved and you know you and I have been on enough horror film sets that I can appreciate the gore effect and I can appreciate yeah. the technique but that's not enough I'll watch it I'd rather watch a documentary about that stuff than than watch that you know cool effects in a bad movie um, mm-hmm. Yeah, documentaries about the making of some shitty horror movies are sometimes even better than the actual I, shitty horror movie. No, no question, no question. Um, uh, it's a bad example because The Exorcist is an amazing movie, but they have made some just fantastic, like sometimes even more creepy. The reality, the real story of how that movie was made is almost more creepy than the actual movie itself. <laughs> well, I, I think The Exorcist is one of those films that, for me anyway, the what it, it's a, on repeat viewings, the technique stays great, mm-hmm. but, the, but the tension and, and any fear that of the first time you watch it really drops off. Uh, yeah. 
and and you're still left with a very well made well you know well acted film um but it doesn't have this like you know that gripping the first time you watch it it's it's um you know, it's like, it, well, it, it, there's certain things where the first time you watch it, it has a kind of impact that you just can't reproduce. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the first time you watch Star Wars when you're a kid or... Mm-hmm. We know, went we went to, you and I and Anne-Marie went to The Exorcist in the theater together, didn't we? Um, I think we did. Not not when it first came out because we, no, all, no. we were all wee babes. But when the re-release happened a couple of years ago, we all went to see it together. Yeah, and, I, and it was cool because you were in a theater and it was like, there's... I mean, there were probably people in there who'd never seen the movie. Right. But because we had all seen it, we could really like watch and absorb things on the big screen that we would not have been able to watch and absorb because I would never, I was never able to see it anywhere but like home video or whatever. Oh yeah. Well, and, and, and if you get the opportunity to watch some of these films where the screen is 20 feet tall and you know, you get that there's there it really is a big difference between watching it in a theater with an audience mm-hmm. than there is with watching it at home. Um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show turns 45 this year. Oh wow! And that's an, I know I know, and that's an example, very much an example of the kind of thing that you know you have to watch that with a crowd. You have yeah. to watch that in the theater. Watching it it's, at home, it's still great. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies, and I've seen the Rocky Horror Show, mm-hmm. the the stage version like three times, but I've never been to a midnight movie and seen it. Really? Really. Oh, wow. I've been to a, biz- oh, so many. We used to go in, when I was in high school, the theater department, uh, we, uh, most of us would find a way to go to it. You know, we'd see it two or three times a month. Mm. We, you know, and, and just have a blast. I mean, it was, it was so much fun. But it's one of those films that, that you can watch it at home, but you don't get the full impact of the experience right. by watching it at home. And, you know, I got to see when Casablanca turned 50, I was, I think I had graduated college at that point, but um, I think I was still living in Manhattan and still working for the movie theater. And so I got to watch it on the big screen, which was really incredible mm-hmm. to see, you know, when you get to watch the classic films on the big screen and really get the impact. I've seen the doc, mm-hmm. cabinet of Dr. Caligari on the big Ooh. screen. Uh, and uh, that was really cool because of course uh, you, you can watch, even watching it on a high definition television, even a big one, you miss some of the visual texture that that film has. Cause it's, you know, it was, it was made by artists. It's, it literally is an art movie. Um, and, and being able to watch that on the big screen really gets, uh, really hits so much of that, uh, you know, really, really hits you. Um, another one is the cook, the thief, uh, his wife and her lover. Uh, I got to see on the big screen. Um, I think a few years after, well, probably 10 years or so after it had come out. Um, and that's one of those films where the texture, the visual texture of the movie is so important and color is so important. I don't think I've actually seen that at all. Oh, it's a great movie. Um, it's not I've a happy... i talk about it before, but... Yeah, I, it's I not a happy it. picture, but it's a beautiful picture and it's so well done. And it's it's funny in a super dark comedy um, you know, you find yourself grinning when you shouldn't be, um, because it's just that kind of movie and it's, I highly recommend it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some films that, that, that really would play, uh, really do play perfect on the big screen. The new friend that I've made here, uh, 
uh, told me that he had never seen Weird Science. Really? And so I brought that over to his house and we watched it. And uh, and he was like, and I was like, you just, and he was like, oh, okay. And it was like one of those things where it's like, it's such a great movie. How are you not loving this movie? And he's like, I, I don't know. I just, you know, it's an old 80s movie. And it's like, yeah, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You cannot be friends with this person anymore, Dustin. It's, yeah. just, it's ruined everything. No, I, well, you know, some of that stuff, some films, some films are just, um, they don't age necessarily well, mm-hmm. you know, and so we have a lot of, we, we appreciate them because we saw them the first time when, mm-hmm. when, when they were new, but it's like, uh, you know, the breakfast club, there's some real problems with behavior. Oh in the yeah. <laughs> the thing, you know, in fact, I think, uh, uh, Molly Ringwald wrote, a, an op-ed about right. that, about uh, how she loves that movie and she loves what that movie means to her personally and she loves to watch it but it's problematic like the things that happen to her character Mm -hmm. that are done to her character by by the uh uh judd nelson judd nelson character are horrible yeah and are are sexually sexual harassment and you know all that stuff yeah. And like the the one of the jokes is that the Anthony Michael Hall character is in detention because he brought a gun to school. Yeah, and you know he was gonna shoot somebody with it, and it's you know the joke is oh it was just a flare gun, but fucking <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some stuff just does not age well. Right. Uh, but but even and and you know we well, last week we talked about you know death of the author and separating the yeah. creator from the creation. Um, to some degree, we do that a little bit with the stuff that we know does not age well, even though mm. we still kind of have that kind of emotional attachment to it. Right. Uh, because it was a different world at the time. Or or let me rephrase that: we saw the world differently. Yes. Uh, on a personal level and on a cultural level. So it's, um, you know, yes, folks, it's okay to still like those films that are problematic. Just re- recognize they are problematic. Yeah. And you have to, you have to, you know, be able to have the intelligent conversation about what, what it means, the differences, uh, you know, between what happened in the breakfast club and what would happen in real life. Right. Well, and you know, I mean, you you can go back and you can look at some of the classic films. I mean, I'm personally, I've never been a huge fan of it, but Gone with the Wind is a huge film in terms of film history. Oh, yeah. It has a ton of fans. <clears throat> and it is a blatantly pro-Confederacy movie. Mm-hmm. It is racist. It is, ex- and, yeah. And, you know, there's a scene like, Rhett picks up Scarlet and carries her up the stairs forcibly and against her will to have sex with her. Yeah. And, you know, everybody, oh, that's such a romantic scene. No, he's going to fucking rape her. Yeah. So, I mean, it's recognizing that it's problematic. It's like like the whole debate about Lovecraft right now. You know, there's some people who are genuinely, you know, offended that that this is the, he has this, this place in horror history and you know they because of his you know his racist views but at the same time some creators are turning that around we're getting lovecraft county 
which is you know uh, Jordan Peele's series mm-hmm. that is that is based on um, you know a book that was about you know uh, black black characters addressing that racism head on right uh, in the in context of the Lovecraft world and it's been done before and other other authors have have played with that and then I think that's that's a good way I to remember- deal with it. When we were doing Statement of Randolph Carter, Mm -hmm. one of the big conversations that you and Jason Hunt had about that movie, about that short, was should Randolph Carter be black? Well, we had two actors. We had because we when we were casting the film, we were looking for. uh, We already we cast our detectives. We had we had Tom the Tom Kane, who's the voice of Yoda, uh, and Jeff East, who is who played young. Clark Kent in in the Christopher right. Reeve Superman, so we had two fantastic guys for for the detectives, and we were looking for a younger actor and an older actor to play uh, Harley Warren and Randolph Carter, and we had an older black actor and a younger black actor uh, audition, mm-hmm. and they didn't really have unfortunately they did not have the chemistry we wanted with each other to make the part work, but it really did raise the question: What if we did cast these? You know, because the film, the 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 story is set in the twenties. Yeah, and so there would be this dynamic between the police detectives, these white police detectives, and this young black man, um, that would have been a really interesting dynamic because it's uh, it would have it would have given a different kind of tension to the story. And if we had had an older black actor and a younger black actor who had who had had the kind of right chemistry we wanted. Um, it would have been a very interesting take on the story. I think we, I, I, I'm pl- proud of the film that we made. Oh, no, I really love the, the film that we ended up making. I, I, was, I was on that film as costume supervisor. So, yes. and, the uh, and I really great. do love it. And Joe's performance, Joe Concha plays Randolph Carter, and he played it amazing. But I think it was, was it, um, oh, gosh, uh, Anton? Who was um, the... Or yes. another guy? Uh, no, it wasn't Antoine. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Oh God, I can't remember either. The names. It, we felt we we made this film like eight years ago. Oh yeah. So so forgive forgive my, my lapse in memory here. But um, yeah, no, I mean both and both actors are are both the younger actor and the and the older actor were really good actors. Um, and and I've seen them in other stuff uh, around town. But unfortunately, we yeah, it it would have made a very interesting vibe for the film because, uh, you know dealing not only with with the time and place because that actually factored into some of our design decisions mm-hmm. uh and and because we built a, a little backstory that lovecraft didn't actually have for carter to explain some of the things that that are only passing you know references and and we just we you know, we didn't actually touch on that in the film but we had our own little personal backstory for why he did some of the things that we had him do um, so you do that stuff. Uh, you play with those kind of ideas, and it would have been very interesting to see what we'd done, what we could do with with uh, two black actors in the part. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's looking at at how this stuff ages and affects us. Is as long as you're willing to look at it, you can still enjoy this stuff and recognize for it. As long as you're recognizing for what it is, mm-hmm. um, you know the and and it's not. <laughs> And you're not reading Lovecraft for the racism. That's really, <laughs> that's not the way to go, kids. Don't. We, don't, we don't read Lovecraft for the racism. 
Um, and because I mean, so much of some there's only there's only a few of Lovecraft's actual stories where the racism is like super leaned into. Um, there's always a certain amount. Well, there's always this sort of uh, uh, white educated uh, upper class savior mentality, but that was a fairly common thing in a lot of people's writing oh, yeah. at the time. Uh, um, and I was actually talking with the, about this uh, uh, with uh, the group of guys that I played Dungeons and Dragons with. You know, there have been a lot of changes recently in the way that they, uh, the way classes or the races are done in Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Because there's humans and elves and orcs and all these other things. Well, when you base your your, you know, role-playing game on the works of, you know, Tolkien... And, you know, while Tolkien wasn't like, hey, I'm a super racist and I'm going to, he was writing, you know, 70 years ago and was just from the, I, the fact that he was from all that time ago, writing some kind of racist stuff about anybody that wasn't a human or an elf, like... You know, well, and, it's, it, and some of it, you know, and the, the the conversation about the the unconscious racism—it's just the way the world is. Argument, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, and and it and this is where the things that you know we're getting this argument in in people talking about Lovecraft and some of the other writers of that time who who did as well, um, who you know the argument that everybody was like that. Well, yes and no. You have to recognize it's there's a difference between the folks who just this is the world they live in and they don't actively dislike other races. Mm-hmm. And Lovecraft, Lovecraft was racist. I mean, you just, right. he, he just was. Curiously though, because people don't come in in easel, easily defined boxes, his wife was Jewish. And as far as we can tell um, from the writings that are around, while he would say anti-Semitic things, he actually loved his wife. So, you know, they did the marriage didn't last, <laughs> but but apparently it wasn't. Oh, apparently, boy. it wasn't like the anti-Semitism wasn't the reason it ended. It was because she wanted to stay in New York and he hated it. Part of it was because there were so many people around who weren't white. Um, but you know, one of my favorite songs is "Lovecraft in Brooklyn" from uh, the Mountain Goats. Oh, there you go. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I, there's. There's a. There's. There's nuances to this stuff that I think that you can't. It's almost impossible to lose the impact of Lovecraft on horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cthulhu is Cthulhu is Cthulhu. You're not going to lose. I mean, but you know, the, I don't. I don't see there's anything wrong with having the discussion about. You know who Lovecraft was and recognizing that you know he might have created this really cool thing. Um, accidentally in large part uh but he wasn't you know that that doesn't mean you have to you know hold him up on a pedestal and go you know right. all hail all hail hp speaking of which um you watched dracula and i watched underwater which again spoilers we put spoilers at the beginning here spoilers again it's a lovecraft movie really it's a lovecraft movie so How interesting i don't know I, I it looked it looked to me like angry mermaids well, so the so if you when you if you watch the trailer for uh, Underwater, the first thing you tend to notice is that, gosh, 
is this alien underwater? Mm. And the answer is yes. It's the best alien film of the last 10 years. Oh, really? It's not an alien movie, um, but it's certainly better than the last two Ridley Scott alien movies. Um, (laughs) The amount of people doing stupid, blatantly stupid things is surprisingly low. It's not exempt from that, but... Um, well, you know, if this, if this was a Ridley Scott alien movie, people at the bottom of the ocean would be opening their helmets to go, what does the water taste like? Yeah. Uh, and you know, because that's, we've reviewed that on this very podcast, uh, one of those movies. And, uh, there's a reason that we didn't like it. This is actually a fairly, yes. Okay. First, first thing out of the way, it's a derivative movie. All right. You are not, they are not inventing anything new here. Um, if you watch it, the, video, the trailer and think aliens underwater, yes, it is aliens underwater. Okay. See, and like I said, I thought it was Angry Mermaids. Like, ooh, are they doing an Angry Mermaid movie? Is, <laughs> yeah. is Kristen Stewart in an Angry Mermaid movie? I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> no such luck. Um, but Kristen Stewart's actually quite good at it. Um, and, and she... She and, and Robert Pattison, of course, of Twilight fame or infamy, you know, they, they very much got pigeonholed in the kind mm. of, you know, the Twilight movies are not good, folks. Sorry, they're not. Um, if you enjoy them, great. I'm happy for you, but they're not good movies. Mm-hmm. And both of, both of those actors have a lot more talent than they got the opportunity to display in those films. And but I all, think, I think that that they have part because because they use those movies like Kristen Stewart had been been acting forever and Robert Pattinson was a a minor TV celebrity in in the UK before those movies uh but he played Cedric Diggory in uh Mm -hmm. in the Harry Potter movies uh but they uh they parlayed that fame that they got from being in a shitty series to be able to do some really interesting work Right over the last two decades. Right, and I know a lot of people were freaking out about Patterson being cast as Batman, but if you look at some uh, some of his other films, especially The Lighthouse, which is you know the recent one, mm-hmm. um, he's he's got range, folks, uh, and so does Kristen Stewart. And she's actually, I I thought she did a fine job. I mean, she's basically playing Ripley, sure, mm-hmm. but um, she does a fine job at it, um, and. Uh, Overall, I enjoyed the film quite a bit. I thought it was fairly, it was a solid movie. I mean, it was, again, it's not particularly original. Um, you Certain things are telegraphed, but at the same time, it was crafted well. Would you like some hot Hollywood goss about, uh, about sure. Underwater? Uh, Underwater was actually made two years ago. Right. That's why T.J. Miller is in it. Because yeah. it was before the whole his whole like Me Too, uh, uh, and and if you're curious, T.J. Miller plays the T.J. Miller character that T.J. Right. Miller always plays in this movie. Uh, hey, spoiler alert: He dies terribly, and I wept no tears. Oh, hang on, give me a few minutes. Can you do that? Can you give me a few minutes? Um, but it was a, you know, 20th Century Fox movie, and it got derailed by the merger. Right. And so basically, like, you know, Disney has no interest in Angry Mermaids. Right. So they just dumped it. Mm-hmm. That's why it came out when it came out. 
Right, dumped it in January, and and uh, it's the. In fact, it turns out it's the last film to to carry the 20th Century Fox logo. Yeah, because they have changed it. It's now instead of losing because that's you know they bought Disney bought the stuff from Fox or uh, uh, took over Fox. Um, it's now 20th Century Films, which oh. is curious because it's not the 20th century anymore. So I think that's a very interesting branding choice. But whatever. Um, yeah. And it recently, the director recently revealed that it is in fact, okay, so basically the premise of the film is if you haven't seen it, it's an underwater base. They're doing, um, uh, they're, it's a mining operation kind of thing and it's for a big corporation. And the film basically jumps right into everything going to hell. Mm-hmm. You get Kristen Stewart basically brushing her teeth and then suddenly there's water pouring in everywhere. Um, and it's all chaos and everything. And it's the rest of the film is these people trying to survive and get out of this base, which is collapsing. Um, and with, with the escape pods are already gone. Everybody, the, the captain, the, the, the captain of the base had no idea that other people were around. So he saved as many people as he could. And then, um, there's just a handful of people left alive and they're trying to find a way to survive. And then, something comes out of the darkness of the deeps and it's got teeth and uh, chaos ensues. Um, and there's interesting character beats and things that go along and people turn out to be not telling the truth about various things. And, and TJ Miller does TJ Miller stuff. Um, it's like I said, it's the standard. Oh, look, the TJ Miller mold right here. Um, like I said, but uh there's uh, Vincent Cassell is in it and, and he and, and uh, uh, Kristen Stewart have some really fantastic character interaction stuff. There's some really good character development uh, at mm. times. Get to the end of the film, big spoiler alert, all these creatures that we've seen turn out to be tiny compared to the big creature that is menacing the survivors, uh, the last of the survivors. And it turns out the director's like, yeah, that's Cthulhu. We felt the original script just described the monster, this big monster as kind of this whale-like giant thing uh, called the behemoth is within the script. But they, of course, they filmed the movie and they're going to put in the effects afterwards. So they get to it. And it's like, well, why don't we just do it this way? And he's like, okay, cool. So he basically said, okay, it's Cthulhu. And it looks like Cthulhu. Mm. Uh, you know, a really, you know, a really well-designed um you know, giant scale Cthulhu monster. And he said, yeah, that was his intent. Uh, and he's got a little backstory about how this came to be. And if there was ever going to be a sequel, which is highly unlikely, like almost zero chance. Um, that's, you don't get sequels to films you dump in January. Um, <laughs> made two years ago. That you're, um, you're, you know, your, your, uh, target audience are just like, eh, I can wait till it comes out on Netflix. Right, right. This is literally what I did when I saw the preview. I was like, oh, this looks cool. I'll wait till it comes out on Netflix. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit and, and it's got that little Lovecraft reference at the end. And um, it's, it's an enjoyable film. And like I said, if compared to the last two alien movies, which was, were dominated by the rule of how stupid can 90% of these casts be? Yeah, all, this, all the people were cast as scientists and they all do the really stupid stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, Stupid stuff that non-scientists would not do. Exactly. Well, nobody would do those things. <laughs> Doesn't matter if they have a science, they have a degree in, in, in quantum physics or, or geology or biology or anything. Nobody's that. Or they dumb. work at that Kmart. Oh, God. Nobody does this. This is a dumb. So, yeah, though, this is uh, the characters here, uh, they're not perfect, but overall, they tend to behave at least more intelligently than 90% of the cast of the last two alien films. Um, and it's, like I said, it's, you're, again, not reinventing the wheel here. Nothing really overly um, groundbreaking, except for the fact that, you know, you get to the end and it's like, hey, that monster looks awfully familiar. Um, if you're a Lovecraft fan, if you've, if you've managed to catch an image of Cthulhu that wasn't a small plush. Uh, ah. But no, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. a couple of those. Yeah, a couple. It, uh, it's worth checking out. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, and it certainly isn't making back at budget. Um, I think it's only made like 35 million. Um, and, you know, critics have not necessarily been kind, but a lot of horror critics, a lot of, a lot of websites and magazines that review horror have enjoyed it quite a bit because it's, it really is, I mean, overall, it's a well-crafted horror film. And it would have done better, I think, if it had come out two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it would have felt, uh, it would have still felt like Aliens Underwater, but it would have also felt, I think, a little more, you know, it, well, it wouldn't have been jumped and dumped in January if it had come out oh, two yeah. years earlier. Um, but <clears throat> definitely worth checking out. I think uh, um, I didn't get to the end of it and, and go, well, this was a waste of my time. I sat there and watched it and went, okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. Oh, cool, it's Cthulhu. Uh, <laughs> so... If you know, again, we put spoilers on this, and I'll put spoilers when we post it. But uh, uh, it's it's certainly worth your time if you're a horror fan, and if you were looking for something to make you think, oh, okay, Christian Christian Stewart can act. This is a film that'll show that. So I I recommend it. Um. Yeah, and I I think I think that I can with with a fair degree of certainty. Uh, recommend Weird Science. Sure, yeah. I would, I would go with that and, as well. Uh, if you are a completionist and you have to, uh, you can watch all six hours of Dracula. But if you uh, just want the cool part, you can just watch the first two. All right, fair enough. Okay, well, I, there we go, folks. We've given you two reviews. Uh, lots of spoilers with those two reviews. But we did say spoilers, so uh, we hope you have enjoyed listening to us babble about the things that we like to watch. Um, We will do it again next week. You can find us on Twitter, uh, and you can find us on Facebook, and we would love to hear from you guys there. If you've seen Dracula or seen Underwater, um, we'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, Let us know. um, We're happy to have a conversation with, with our listeners. And uh, definitely let us know what you're watching. Let us know what horror stuff. If you're a Walking Dead fan, what are you doing to watch to get your horror fix in between? Uh, if you're not a Walking Dead fan, what do you do? What, what horror stuff are you watching? Because, uh, you know, we love recommendations as well. We'd love to get cool new stuff to watch. So um, we'll, uh, we'll do this again next week. We will. All right. Well, thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. And thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week with more Zompocalypse Now.
Zompocalypse Now is produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey for Just Some Guy Productions.